So Mark 2, uh, what I realized this week is I was uh, reading these three different stories. Uh, was it reminded me of sometimes when I sit down with a group of friends, um, maybe a group of family, and you start talking about just memories and all of a sudden you kind of get fixated on this one, one friend who's always just a little adventurous and always uh, seemed to have like good stories uh, about him or her. And so you just find yourself kind of reflecting upon this friend and you start saying, oh yeah, remember that one time? Remember that one time they did this? Or, oh, remember this? Like last year when so-and-so uh, went off to such and such place. And you just start recalling all these, all these memories about this one person. And that's what I felt like I was just hearing uh, Mark do about Jesus. He was like telling me these stories this week. Oh, hey, and remember, hey, one time Jesus, Jesus did this. And oh, hey, on the day of the Sabbath, Jesus was doing this. And so I just kind of invite you to find yourself uh, listening to Mark as though, hey, we're just sitting around a table hearing about Jesus uh, as, though, as though he is real, although he is amongst us. And so that's kind of what I've, I found myself doing uh, doing this week, and it's three different stories, three separate stories, and I think that's why I kind of found that kind of found that rhythm. Uh, and so I invite you find yourself in these stories, as though Mark's just kind of telling them uh, to us. And what these stories are all about is Jesus. He's engaging with people who don't yet have God figured out, uh, different people who have questions about God. And I know we all kind of have been in that place, or maybe are in that place where. Uh, we're, we're trying to figure out who God is and what God's about. And Jesus, um, he's constantly extending invitations in these stories to these people who don't have God figured out. He's just extending invitation after invitation after invitation to these people to come and to know God. So we're gonna look at three different uh, invitations uh, from Jesus to us and to these uh, people in these stories. And so let's go to the first one. First one's gonna be uh, Mark chapter two starting in verse 18. So this first invitation is Jesus' invitation uh, to, to a new life, to a new, a new way of living. So Mark chapter two, starting in verse 18, page 700. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus answered, he says, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them and on that day they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. Bear with me, I know this is, this is a lot here. And no one pours new wine into old wine skins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, he pours the new wine into new wineskins. So all three of these stories, this is the first one we're gonna look at, have a, a lot to them. Uh, they're, they're heavy with uh, cultural references that don't make a whole lot of sense uh, to any of us. So I'm just gonna ask you to bear with me, uh, dig down. We're gonna pull, pull a lot of information out. Um, as I was preparing, I was right, there could be hundreds of sermons uh, preached upon uh, the text we're gonna look at. And so we're gonna be looking at a lot of cultural things, uh, a lot of different things that don't make sense to us. And I'm gonna do my best to explain those to us and, and pull those out. And so the first one is uh, fasting. This whole, this whole story right here on, on fasting, I think we need to know what fasting is and, and why people did it. Uh, so fasting during this time, 
uh, we look at this story, people would fast um, one day uh, throughout the entire year, all of the Jewish people would fast. There was only one required day of fasting. But a lot of religious people uh, would fast um, multiple days and for multiple reasons. And all this was was abstaining from food. You would abstain from food. Uh, it was a way of kind of humbling yourself. Uh, you, would, you would not have food and you would kind of humble yourself before God. You would um, dedicate, hey, the time that I'm gonna spend eating, I'm gonna dedicate that time uh, to be with God, to spend with God. It was an aid to prayer. And so if you wanted to like really hone in on, on being with God and praying with God, uh, you, would, you would fast. And so Pharisees, the Pharisees here in this story, they would actually fast every Monday and Thursday, which I thought was interesting. So right after this fasting, uh, he, he starts talking about uh, this picture of a wedding. And why does he talk about fasting and then go straight to talking about this wedding? And just so you know, when he says bridegroom, he means groom. I was like, what's a bridegroom? Is that both of them together? No, he's just talking about a groom. That's, I guess, back in their time, instead of saying groom and bride, they would refer to the groom as the bridegroom. Not sure why, but there you go. Uh, so he's saying, uh, picture this wedding for me. This is, this is what's going on. Weddings back then culturally were quite different from how they are now. And so instead of it being a, a one day event or a one night celebration, uh, you would have seven days of celebration. It was, it was an event. Friends, family, everybody would come around and spend an entire week celebrating this event. I don't know if you can imagine this, like renting Marathon Music Works, not just for one night, but for an entire week, and it just being full of food and drink and this just uh, amazing celebration. I don't know if like the dads in the room are like freaking out thinking about paying not for just one reception, but for a seven, seven night a recep reception, reception. So this is what it was. This was like a celebration. And so Jesus, he starts talking about this wedding and he says, you know, why, why, would you, why would you fast at a wedding? And I think they would realize very quickly how absurd this was. Uh, you wouldn't go to a wedding expecting uh, to fast. You're going to celebrate and enjoy and have a good time. Uh, and I think um, their fasting back then uh, to connect with the very distant God. And so Jesus is saying, hey, when you fast, you're, you're fasting as though, God is very far away. Uh, you're fasting in a way that you don't realize like God in the flesh, Jesus, like I am with you right now. He's trying to help them realize, hey, I'm here, I'm with you. This is not a time for fasting. This is a time for celebrating. God in the flesh is in uh, your midst. Literally, the creator, the sustainer, God Almighty, uh, the one that they are fasting for is with them in the room. And I know I kind of found myself asking this question this week, like how often do I find myself in this place um, where I'm doing things like for God without realizing like God is with me in the present. The Holy Spirit is uh, not a distant, distant God, but present amongst us. And uh, he's wanting them to understand that the God of the universe is in their midst. Uh, he is with them. He is with them right now and he is with us very much in the present. And so this invitation he's extending, he, he extends it by using some other kind of odd cultural things, talking about uh, new wine and new wineskins and old wine and old wineskins. And what he's doing is he's, he's ushering in a new way of life. 
He's saying there is a new refreshing uh, way of life here in the present and you're trying to fit uh, a distant uh, box of a God into this new way of living. I'm here, look at me, I'm your sustainer, I'm your creator. Uh, the God of the universe is amongst you and he's inviting them, hey, come in, like come into this new, new beautiful uh, way of living. Let me show you who God is. This is kind of what I picture Jesus saying, God in the flesh saying, let me show you who God is. Let me form you into something new. Follow me, let me show you a better way of living. And so that's kind of this first invitation, this invitation Jesus is giving them, but also giving us uh, to this new uh, vibrant, celebratory way of life with him. So that's the first one. The second one, let's look at the second story, the second invitation from God. This is verse 23. He says, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields and as his, as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees saw him and said, Look, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, have you never read uh, what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave them, and he also gave some to his companions. And then he said to them, Jesus said, he said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So once again, there's some things here we're gonna have to unpack together. Uh, first of all, kind of what's going on at the beginning of this story. Uh, it's a little strange walking through grain fields, picking, uh, picking heads of grain. The very first thing I thought about uh, to kind of relate it to me and uh, our times was, you know, me and my wife, Keila, we'll, we'll go out to dinner and she could argue the validity of the story and you can ask her later. But so what happens is, you know, we go out to eat I'm a fast eater. I eat my meal very, very fast. And I, so I'm done. And I'm already like kind of eyeing the leftovers that she's gonna have on her plate. And what I do, and she says I start too soon. Um, but once I realize, okay, she's kind of done with her meal. You know, it's gonna be thrown away. It's gonna be wasted. Of course, I'm gonna eat the leftover nachos on her plate. Yeah, that's just, that's just what I'm gonna do. It makes sense. And so that's kind of like where I found myself this week trying to figure out, okay, so they're eating these pits, like little pieces of, of grain. Uh, was that okay? Was that like an okay thing to do? And yeah, it wasn't against the law. In fact, it was very common. Um, it was one of those things where people who were hungry or traveling, uh, they would get the leftover grain that was left uh, on the ground. So it really, uh, it really wasn't, wasn't a big deal. Just like it's not a big deal for me to take food off your plate, Keila. Um, so what was the Sabbath? Uh, what, was this, uh, what was this all about? And it was a day of rest. Um, it was a day of rest uh, given by God uh, back in Exodus, back in the Ten Commandments for, uh, for his people. And it started on a Friday night. This is kind of what it looked like. Started on a Friday night and went to Saturday night. And it was intended for people to just enjoy the Lord, uh, to be with family, to have a meal together. Uh, they would have a meal, they would spend time at home with friends. And it was all about just enjoying one another and enjoying God and resting. Uh, that was the simple command from God. This, this is what he said, do not work, rest. Do not work, rest. It was very simple. And so why were the Pharisees, why were they so upset uh, about this? And the Pharisees, so what they did was, um, 
it created a whole list of rules and laws about what it was to, uh, to Sabbath or what it was to work. And so they created literally 39, uh, 39 rules essentially that said, hey, here's what, here's what working is. And they looked at harvesting as working and they even looked at just picking up a few heads of grain as working. And so that's why they're, uh, that's why they're so upset. Uh, for instance, you couldn't, this, this was so interesting. You couldn't tie a knot, like you couldn't tie a knot. So I guess back then they're wearing sandals, so it wasn't a big deal, like tying shoes. But uh, you couldn't tie a knot. You couldn't sew more than uh, one uh, little, little seam. That was it. You couldn't write more than one letter, according to them and their rules and regulations. And I found myself this week um, realizing for them it had not become about what it was, but what you couldn't do. And... What's interesting, I think their original intentions, in all honesty, uh, were to honor God, were to please God, were to um, obey, obey his command. And I realized a shift happened in them at some point. Something happened in their lives where um, it became less and less about the spirit of the command, about what God had intended uh, this command to be, and so much more uh, about this, this burden of following uh, this, these set of rules. I thought, you know, I was really harsh on the Pharisees this week in my mind, and I realized, oh, Andrew, yeah, you, you do this too, and you do it pretty often where uh, the, the command just to pray, to be with me, uh, like to, the joy of reading the scriptures uh, is, is lost in my life. Uh, so often because I, I put it in this box and I create this set of rules and I put these time constraints around uh, this beautiful thing like prayer of just being, being with God. And I say, okay, I've got to spend 10 minutes here in the morning and I've got to, you know, and you, you can find uh, this wonderful gift and command uh, into just a set of rules and, and regulations. And Jesus, he begins uh, to reveal the goodness of this gift um, he uses one of their own heroes, David. Somebody says, hey, have you ever read about David? Uh, of course they had read about David. This was one of their, this was one of their heroes. Uh, they, they looked up to this man. They knew uh, his life probably better than uh, anyone's life that they had read about was King David. So he says, hey, what, what about King David? And he describes David uh, breaking these rules. I mean, I was thinking this week, it would, it would be like someone asking an Alabama fan, which I am, uh, hey, have you ever heard of Bear Bryant? Do you know, you know who he is? Uh, and yeah, yeah. If an Alabama fan doesn't know who Bear Bryant is, they're probably not an Alabama fan. Um, or, you know, Nashville, it'd be like asking, asking a hipster, hey, have you heard of Barista Parlor? Do you, know, uh, do you know what that is? Like, yeah, you know, that's where they hang out. Of course, of course they know. Uh, and so this is what he's doing uh, to the Pharisees. You know who this David is. Uh, and he brings this hero uh, into their midst and says, listen, Look at, look at what he did. You're missing the point. You're missing the idea. You're missing the spirit behind this. God did not smite him. Uh, God did not zap him. Hey, he broke the law and uh, he's still okay. Like, and so here's what's going on. Jesus is getting ready to drop the mic uh, in verse 27. Verse 27, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. The very end of, of that, so the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. 
I could not figure that out this week. And you kind of see, basically all I did this week was just ask a bunch of questions. I'm like, what does this mean? What does this mean? What's that mean uh, for us? And so I, I was like, son of man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. And I think what he's trying to show them and what he's trying to show us is that, hey, like I am God in the flesh here with you. Like I was there with the father when Sabbath was created. Like at the beginning of time, uh, when this command was given to you. I was there. I know the idea behind it. I know the spirit behind it. Let me show you. Let me tell you uh, what it's all about. So I think that's what he's saying uh, right there. And me and Brandon were talking about this this week. He's teaching over at the cannery. And he kind of asked me this question, would you rather learn from uh, the creator or would you rather learn from an expert? And thinking about, you know, would you rather go to the Genius Bar in Green Hills Mall at the Apple Store and learn from you know, an expert who knows a lot of, about a Mac or would you rather sit down uh, with Steve Jobs and hear about uh, what the Mac like, was intended for, like the ideas he had for it. He literally thought it was gonna change the world, I guess, which it is. Um, and he thought, I was thinking, how beautiful is this to be able to literally learn from the creator himself uh, what was intended uh, behind this day of rest and God, you know, he had ingrained this in our rhythm. And I think this is kind of that second invitation uh, to Sabbath, to rest. He had ingrained this in our rhythm from the very beginning of time. You look at creation and God himself uh, rested on the seventh day. And whether you view it as an actual day, or, don't worry about that. But God rested on the seventh day. And think about it. God did not need to rest. He's God. Like he's, he's beyond time. So him resting on the seventh day had so much more to do with us and his knowledge of our need for rest than it did for his uh, need for rest. But he goes back all the way to the beginning of creation. I think that's how important uh, this is. And so uh, Jesus, you know, he says, this is a good gift. The Sabbath is a beautiful, creative, uh, good gift that God has given to us. It's sitting, it's sitting under the tree, uh, ready to be unwrapped. Um, and so often, like we overlook it and we don't unwrap it and uh, we busy ourselves. And I think Jesus is inviting us. This is kind of that second invitation. Jesus is inviting us to open this gift, this gift of freedom, this gift of joy, uh, this gift of worship. And the question I was asking this week, and my question for you all is like, will we unwrap this gift? Will we uh, accept this invitation uh, to rest, to be with him? So the last story. Uh, last story starts in chapter three, uh, verse one. Y'all with me? You hanging, hanging in there? Cool. I know it's a lot. I know it's a lot. Uh, so this last invitation, Mark three, one through six. Another time he went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some men were looking uh, for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely uh, to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to the man, the man with a shriveled hand, hey, stand up in, in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, he said, which is lawful on the Sabbath, uh, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill a life? Uh, but they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed and their stubborn hearts said to them, stretch out your hand. He said that to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians uh, how they might kill Jesus. 
And I love what happens here. Once again, Mark's like, oh, hey, another time. Uh, this, is what, this is what Jesus did. And I love it because Jesus, he takes, he takes a religious issue and he turns it into a human being. Uh, so he takes this, this problem uh, they had uh, with, with the Sabbath and he turns, it, he turns it into a person. And I thought, you know, they probably knew who this was. Uh, they probably recognized this man. They maybe knew his name. Uh, maybe they knew his story. Uh, maybe they remember growing up with him. Uh, you know, this guy with this deformed hand. And he doesn't beat around the bush. You know, Jesus rarely, rarely does. Um, but he takes a moment some would see as a trap uh, and he makes the most of the opportunity. He could have, if he wanted, you know, taken the man into a side room uh, or he could have healed his hand quietly, uh, but he doesn't. Um, I think this is important to, to think about. Like, why, why did he do this? What was he, what was he doing when he said, hey, I want you to stand up here with, with me. He probably realized, hey, this is another opportunity for the Pharisees to, to take a step of faith, to start to believe in who I am, uh, to, to start to believe that the Son of God is in their midst. He wasn't gonna miss this opportunity uh, to once again uh, share, um, share who he was with them. And uh, this was probably one of the most moving pieces for me. I know it's so simple and it took me a while to see it. But you gotta realize the Pharisees were, were the ones constantly opposing him. And we see at the end, in fact, they were uh, getting ready to plot to kill him, uh, which Jesus, uh, you know Jesus knew what was getting ready to happen. And he says, no, you know what? I'm gonna give them another opportunity yet again uh, to see me for who I am. I open another invitation, an invitation to faith for, for the Pharisees yet again. And this word, you know, that says he was deeply distressed or it says it differently in, in yours, it, he was deeply grieved. Uh, that's what's going on here. And I love this. I think it's a beautiful picture of who Jesus is. You know, he looks at their hard hearts and uh, he looks at their unbelief and he is, he is grieved, like to his core. I think he was, he was really, really sad. Um, in fact, this term grieved, you know, was used in uh, its normal context as well. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He is just like grieving over these people. And this seems to be who Jesus is, like over and over and over and over and over, extending the invitation to have faith, to follow him, to walk with him. And he does it. And he does it to me and you over and over and over again. And it's twofold, uh, this invitation to faith in this story. I think it's important for us to see uh, how he healed this man, exactly, you know, how he went about this. Uh, like I said earlier, you know, he could have uh, taken this man to a side room and kind of quietly healed his hand. Or heck, he's Jesus. He could have just like looked over and healed the man's hand uh, without, without saying anything. But he offers an invitation to this man to open up his hand. He didn't open up his hand for him. Uh, and it's real small, but I think it's, it's real important. The man himself, you know, had to take a step of faith. Um, he had to believe that Jesus could heal him. Um, if Jesus said, open up your hand, and he, he didn't, you know, he could have walked away, but he didn't. He had faith in that moment. I think that this is what Jesus is inviting us to do. Uh, just have, have faith to believe. Uh, step out on a limb and believe Jesus is who he says he is. And we see the result. We see the result here in this story of what happens uh, when this man uh, believes. We see that his hand 
uh, is restored. And I think that's, that's what happens time and time again for us. Uh, when we take a step of faith and, and we believe, um, we become restored, restored in Jesus, um, restored in uh, life, life with him. It doesn't necessarily mean life gets easier, but I really do believe uh, life gets better uh, when we step into this invitation of faith uh, with him. So I realized, you know, I kind of highlighted, you know, three invitations I saw for Jesus to us and to them. But I realized all of you could have uh, sensed something else, maybe Jesus in inviting you uh, in a different way. And so here in just a moment, what we're gonna do is we are going to take communion together. Like I said, it's gonna be a little shorter. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna take communion and I want us to just sit around uh, at, you know, at communion around the, the bread and the juice and just talk about, hey, where, where do you feel Jesus inviting you? Uh, is he inviting you into a new life? Uh, like we learned in that first story. Is it, he inviting you into a new way of thinking, uh, a new refreshing life with him? Is he inviting you to open up this gift of rest? Have you been just like busying yourself and working yourself to death? Is, is he inviting you to open up this gift that he's given to all of us to rest and be with him? Uh, or maybe he's inviting you to just have faith. I know we all have a lot going on and uh, maybe he's just inviting you to take a step of faith, uh, believe his words and uh, believe in him and walk with him and uh, believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Uh, or maybe you heard something different. I realize we're all in different places and you know, this was just my, my, my ears hearing, hearing the scriptures. And so what I wanna invite us to do, we're gonna pray and we're gonna go, go to communion together. I just invite you to share with the people you came with, hey, you know, where is Jesus um, inviting you? Uh, what is he inviting you to? So yeah, let's, let's pray together this morning.